The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is Speaking of Writers, I'm Steve Richards. Sandra Brown has written masterful romantic suspense novels for decades. 72 New York Times bestsellers with more than 80 million copies in print worldwide in 34 languages. Her new book out now is called Blind Tiger. She returns to historical fiction with one of her best books ever. The year 1920 comes in with a roar. This rousing story where prohibition is a new law of the land, but murder, mayhem, lust, and greed are already institutions in the moonshine capital of Texas. And it just so happens that Blind Tiger is another name for a speakeasy. Sandra Brown, as I mentioned, author of 72 New York Times bestsellers, more than 80 million copies of her books in print worldwide, and well, work has been translated into 34 languages. Four of her books have been made into films. In 2008, the international thriller writers named Brown its Thriller Master, the organization's highest honor. She served as president of Mystery Writers of America and holds an honorary doctorate of humane letters from Texas Christian University. Happy to have... Sandra Brown, join me now. Welcome to this program, Sandra. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I, I hear you reeling off all of that stuff, and I, I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I really do all of that. <laughs> but thank you very much for having me. So this period, the 1920s, why the 1920s, and what was the inspiration for this book? Uh, 2020. <laughs> I was, uh, I was stuck, um, away from my family. I got caught, um, in a quarantine and lockdown. Um, and I, I was finishing up Thick as Thieves, which was the book previous, uh, to Blind Tiger. And, um, when I finished, um, I was, I was, you know, it, stuck, as I said, for like two months by myself, and um, I thought, gosh, what am I going to write about next? And I said, well, one thing I know I'm not going to write about (laughs) is COVID-19, and I'm not going to write about all of the turmoil uh, that was going on um, on society issues last year, and I thought, wonder what was happening 100 years ago. And so I started Googling, you know, the 1920s and 1920 in specific, specifically, and guess what? Things weren't all that different. <laughs> <laughs> they had the global pandemic of Spanish flu. Uh, soldiers were returning home from World War One, which was a very unpopular war with post-traumatic stress, but nobody called it that. They called it shell shock. The women's movement was well underway and promptly resulted in the vote. And if all of that weren't enough, prohibition went into effect <laughs> in January of uh, January sixteenth of nineteen twenty. So then I googled um, Texas and prohibition, and little did I know that this small town that I've lived near. Uh, 
for my entire life was called the Moonshine Capital of Texas. And I started doing research on it, and it was just so fascinating. I mean, some of it, you know, I was laughing out loud. It was so, it was so outrageous. You know, everything was so rambunctious. And um, I thought, I've, I've, I've got my subject. <laughs> so really, that's what, that's what inspired the book. Chatting with Sandra Brown, the number one New York Times bestselling author here on Speaking of Writers. Her new novel is called Blind Tiger. So we've got Thatcher Hutton. He's a war-weary soldier on the way back to his cowboy life. He jumps from a moving freight train to avoid trouble, but lands in more than he bargained for. And he arrives in this town, Foley, Texas. A local woman goes missing. Thatcher, the only stranger in town, is suspected of her abduction and worse. Standing between him and exoneration are a corrupt mayor, a crooked sheriff, a notorious cathouse madam, a sly bootlegger. You got everything here, Sandra. <laughs> Feuding moonshiners and a young widow whose soft features conceal an iron will. Thatcher Hutton, how did you create Thatcher? Well, I thought of, you know, when I was talking about all these topics that were issues of the day, uh, I thought it would be interesting, first of all, um, setting it in Texas. I thought he could have been a cowboy his whole life before he got drafted into the Army to serve in World War One to fight in France. And uh, a lot of Oklahomans in Texas were. And so after the war, he's making his way back uh, to the panhandle of Texas, and he gets in trouble comes becomes crosswise with these guys that he's sharing a box car with and he he leaps from the train and then he walks into the nearest town which is Foley and um and as as you said he gets into trouble and he's kind of a he's kind of the laconic cowboy type I, I had in mind like a, a young Gary Cooper or you know one of these you know men with a with an iron will, uh, they don't go looking for trouble, but you don't mess with them. Mm. And, um, and so he, he's a, a man of very, um, high morals and he lands in this town where, you know, there's a lot of crime going on and, and he becomes, uh, you know, the, the main suspect in the, um, suspected adoption of a woman and so then all these other characters, you know, start pivoting uh, around him. So he was, I just thought he would be an interesting character, someone dealing with having been to Europe after being raised on a cattle ranch all of his life and having to fight, good shooter, but he always shot it, you know, at, at game or, or cattle wrestlers. <laughs> he never had to shoot you know, really to kill somebody. And so all of this is kind of playing on his mind. So I I dabbled in that, that post-traumatic stress. And then one of the other characters in the book, um, it, it really has suffered from it badly. So all of these things just, just tied into what I felt like the reading audience today could relate to. You know, we're dealing with a lot of the same issues. Um so I thought he would be a, an interesting character. Speaking of interesting characters, what about the character of Laurel Plummer? What is Laurel like? Well, I had to make, I wanted her to be a woman of her day. Um, 
and and that was that was in a, a tricky situation. I really kind of painted myself into a corner because right off the bat in the book, she suffers dual tragedies back to back, and she's she's young and she finds herself in dire circumstance uh, dire circumstances, and she has to assume responsibility for herself. And this is at a time where, especially in this part of the country, it wasn't in the city, you know, women had a role to play. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, working outside the home. It was churning butter and milking the cows and doing the ironing and the laundry and the cooking and the rearing of the children. And all of a sudden, she's like thrust into this situation where she has to support herself and she looks around and what's the the booming enterprise of the day? <laughs> it's moonshining. <laughs> so uh, she has to, you know, seize control of her own destiny. And she does it with gusto, actually, um, and a sense of freedom. Um she also, and she's a little bit brittle, a little bit bitter over the things that have happened to her just prior to this. And so my trick, Steve, was to make her both a um, energetic and innovative and um, fearless woman without making her unlikable. I mean, I still wanted her to be feminine. I still wanted her to have vulnerabilities, um, and yet her guard is always up. I mean, she is resolved never to depend on anyone else to take care of her again, that she is going to stand on her own. And yet I didn't want her to come across as being, you know, someone too tough to fall in love with again, you know, and, and so that was kind of uh, tricky. I had to navigate those shoals every day when I was when I was writing her character because I wanted her to be someone that um, contemporary women could identify with in terms of setting their own identity, not assuming the identity of the man in their life, um, standing on their own, making their own living, supporting their family, um, and at the same time still keep her feminine. We're chatting with Sandra Brown, the number one New York Times bestselling author. Her new novel is called Blind Tiger. So many books for you, so many bestsellers. As I said at the top of the interview, so many years writing. Sandra, how do you keep coming up with fresh ideas? Well, each book, uh, and there have been, uh, altogether, this is my 83rd novel. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and for each each book, uh, it, there's a backstory on how it came to be. So I can't really say that there's a formula to forming the idea, because it's really odd, and this is going to make me sound totally schizophrenic, but uh, and I guess all fiction writers are a little bit, schizophrenic. We live in a make-believe world half of our lives. But um, I always feel like the story is there. Um, When you ask me where I got the characters of Thatcher and Laurel, uh, I did have vague ideas for them, but then they become so real to me. They kind of take over. And so I feel as though their story was there all along. It, it just is that one day they kind of step out of my subconscious and say, here I am, it's my turn for you to write about me. Um, 
that they're so real to me, and and so is their story. And uh, in the midst of it, when I was writing it, I called my editor and I said, you know, this is getting longer and longer. This is the longest book I think I've written. Um, And I said, but my characters keep thinking up stuff to do. (laughs) I have to I have to write it down. And he just laughed and he said, tell their story. Don't worry about how long it is. You know, let me worry as a publisher about how long it is. And uh, so that's how I, it, it really is that many times the characters take over. So once I get an idea or once I seize upon what I believe will be a good idea, in this instance, writing about 100 years ago, instead about what's going on in our world right now. What was going on then? Mm-hmm. I think I needed a break. I think readers needed a break. I mean, we were inundated with news last year, and getting through a newscast was like, you know, getting beat with a chain. It was just, like, brutal. You feel like you had to survive one other day of bad news. So I thought, I think everybody needs time out. I think... Everybody needs some escapism, and that's why I wrote about that time period. So that's where that idea came from. But then if I were talking about another book, the idea would have come to me in a completely different way. So it's hard to, to say, and it sounds very glib to say, but most of the time, I have no idea where the idea comes from. (laughs) It's just all of a sudden there. After all these years, Sandra, do you still have the same writing habits? Any writing quirks that you've kept? Yes, uh, I I started out with with each book after about book number four because when I first first started out, I thought, okay, I got like some great stories to tell. I sat down and I was writing romance novels uh, for a series, and I was. You know, I was writing with a frenzy, um, and they were being bought with a frenzy because that market was so hot at the time. And uh, But I started developing early on this one little thing that I do. With each book, I try to do something different that challenges me as a writer, something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, I think, keeps me on my toes and keeps my keeps me from getting bored for one thing and consequently I hope it keeps my reader from getting bored I always try to do one little thing that that challenges me keeps me on my game mm. I think the worst thing that can happen to a writer is to start reading their own press releases <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think the fear factor uh, is is the best thing for a fiction writer uh, to have that self doubt, and I have a lot of it. But when I finish each book, I'm thinking, "Gosh, you know, is the reading audience really going to embrace this? Um, if I ever possessed any talent, did it leave me? You know, the the bad fairies came in at night while I was." sleep and stole whatever talent I had, or am I the world's greatest imposter? And the first 
82 books have just been flukes, and this 83rd one you know, is going to be terrible. So all of these things go through my mind every day when I sit down at the keyboard. I'm, I'm paranoid to a fault sometimes. <laughs> All right, Sandra, and final question. You're organizing a fabulous literary dinner party, a Texas style, of course. What's th- oh, which- Barbecue. Barbecue, <laughs> absolutely, barbecue. Which three writers, dead or alive, do you invite to that barbecue? Okay, would have to be Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, I still read and, and watch a lot of Shakespeare because he was dealing with the same human dramas that we're dealing with. People have not changed. Mores have changed. Cultures have changed. Society rules and regulations have changed. But the human condition has not changed since creation. I mean, people are still jealous. Um, They still have anger. They still have, you know, family dramas. I would invite Tennessee Williams for the same reason. He could pack so much into a two-hour play, um, and family relationships in particular. Uh, one of my idols that I read early on in my teen years and thought, gosh, I want to tell stories like this, was Taylor Caldwell, a woman who wrote under a male pseudonym because she thought it would help her get published <laughs> easier <laughs> if she were a man instead of a woman. Um, so those are a few, and then I have my buddies, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to be do, doing virtual events with, uh, around the publication of Blind Tiger. Um, so, you know, my, a lot of contemporaries I would have, but those would probably be three main ones that I would want to sit and, and talk about writing with. Sandra Brown, the number one New York Times bestselling author. Her new novel is called Blind Tiger. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate your asking me to be on the podcast. Thank you. And you can get more information. Connect online. SandraBrown.net is the website. Facebook.com slash author Sandra Brown and at Sandra underscore Brown NYT on Twitter. Blind Tiger is the novel. And this is speaking of writers.